welcome everybody to the um, One Journey Symposium as part of the 230th year um, anniversary of since the 1196 um, souls made the journey from Nova Scotia to the shores of Sierra Leone to, find, to um, establish Freetown. And we're hoping that through this symposium where we'll be, we, we try to make the, the, another connecting point to communities both um, in Freetown and in uh, the US, the Carolinas, all the way up to the in the Caribbean and in um, Canada, we make this connection so that we all appreciate the concept that this has been one journey in which a set of people through difficult circumstances um, um, have have found new meaning, have found new beginnings in different in these different communities. Um, they, they were uprooted several times, but they finally established what they were looking for, and that's embodied in the city of Freetown. This was where the ships, all 15 ships, anchored. And uh, on that eve, those folks, we must have been thinking what the journey, reflecting on the journey they've been. And we're hoping through the, for the panels and the presentations, we'll all appreciate their, their that's those, those reflections and what they drew from it. But this was where they, they were anchored, if you could see. Thank you very much. Good morning and good afternoon, depending on what part of the globe you are joining us from. As um, the host said, I am Sylvia McCauley King, a professor of history at California State University in California, where it is still very early in the morning, but I'm still pleased to be joining you all at this time. Let me start by extending uh, hearty congratulations to Her Worship the Mayor, Yvonne Akisoya and all the councillors um, at the City Council on this historic um, milestone, uh, keeping the city moving forward in spite of all the setbacks from time to time. It is indeed uh, important to stop and reflect. And that is what will happen in this first panel um, uh, on the One Journey Symposium, this panel of um, historians and, um, and others who are interested in the history of the city. This panel has been uh, broadly titled Lives in West African Communities Before the Transatlantic Slave Trade. And our speakers, we have about four speakers who have been invited to share um, their perspectives uh, on this journey from their various vantage points. And so I will introduce them and call on them 
um, in the order in which they are listed in the program. And um, they have been asked to speak for about 10 minutes so that we will have some time at the end to entertain questions from the audience. I will now introduce the first speaker, uh, my good friend, Professor Ishmael Rashid, uh, a fellow comrade, uh, historian. Uh, Professor Rashid uh, grew up in Freetown, Sierra Leone, and has been teaching at Vasa College since 1998. He received his BA Honours in Classics and History from the University of Ghana, uh, Masters in Race Relations from Wilfrid Laurier University in Canada, and his PhD in African History from McGill University. His um, research interests include subaltern resistance against colonialism, public health, and conflicts and security in contemporary Africa. And so I invite Professor, Professor Rashid uh, to give his 10 minutes of um, reflections. Uh, thank you very much, Professor uh, Sylvia Macaulay. I realized the emphasis was on 10 minutes. Uh, so uh, what I'm going to do very quickly uh, is to join you and uh, to join uh, my, also my good friend, uh, Adrian. Uh, in uh, thanking uh, the mayor, the organizing uh, committee, and all those who put their energies into organizing the series of events uh, to commemorate uh, the arrival uh, of Africans uh, from different parts of the United States via Nova Scotia uh, to Freetown. I know we know them in our, uh, our history of Sierra Leone, uh, as uh, the Nova Scotian, but for many of them, uh, their stay in Nova Scotia was fairly brief, uh, four or five years. Uh, and these, some of them were uh, people who would never have considered themselves Nova Scotians uh, because they joined uh, the ships uh, from the United States uh, to uh, Sierra Leone. Just uh, what, what I want to do today really is to give uh, uh, just fairly three broad sets of uh, remarks uh, as a way of joining uh, the conversation. Uh, so when I saw the topic, West Africa before the Atlantic slavery, uh, I said, no, they, could, they can't be asking us to do this uh, because I teach an entire course uh, and I'm sure many of my other colleagues teach entire courses on Africa uh, before the Atlantic slave trade. This would have meant that we would have spent the morning going through the rise and fall of old Ghana, Mali, Songhai, Kanembonu, speak about Nok, the Aousa states. This is just mind boggling. Thankfully, there are excellent volumes uh, on the history of all of the states and people that I've mentioned uh, that really I would enjoy uh, those who are members of the audience and uh, Salinians and people in Freetown in particular to read. Uh, we need to be attuned uh, to the history uh, of not only our city, of uh, our country, but also uh, our continent. And I'll return to the theme uh, of uh, the history of a continent uh, in a little uh, while. But one of the things that I did uh, was to go back to really 
the document, which is the seminal document, that really mediates the experience uh, of the people who came from Nova Scotia to Sierra Leone. Uh, a well-known book, I mean, in Canadian circles, uh, uh, the Canadians can't get enough of talking about the Book of Nichols, uh, which is really a list of over 3,000 uh, uh, so-called Black loyalists, uh, people of African descent, uh, who chose to strike for, fight for their freedom by abandoning the American uh, revolutionaries who were talking uh, about wonderful ideas of human liberty, of human freedom, but want to keep people of African descent enslaved. Uh, and the British made uh, really an ambiguous uh, proclamation vis-a-vis -vis them, come over and fight for our sides against these folks who want to keep you uh, enslaved. And of course, the British lost the war. Uh, and the folks who were losers, who were known as the loyal loyalists, went to British North Africa. By the way, it wasn't called Canada then. Uh, it was called British North America. So they went to British North America. And that big problem that I'm going to talk about in a minute kept following these people of African descent. Uh, we have to be careful between that tension uh, between the history of people self-identified as queer and the history of the city of uh, Freetown. Uh, yesterday's March Pass, Cultural March Pass was fascinating uh, because it showed what the city is at this particular point in time and how it had evolved through uh, its own uh, history. Uh, I want, uh, I really want to caution uh, us to think about that carefully because Adrian, my good friend, you started off with saying that we want this to be an inclusive moment for uh, freedom. The second is we must be we must be aware and we must balance the tension between history and heritage. Between history and heritage. History is much more complicated, it's much more messier, it's much more contentious. Uh, and I like uh, one of your slogans on the 238th anniversary, which is Freetown, many stories and therefore many interpretation. Uh, from its inception, from that moment of the finding uh, of that new settlement uh, by, the, uh, by the people uh, that came from Canada, it was a contentious settlement. It was a contentious settlement. The meaning of what Freetown was and what it was to become was never settled. It was never settled. It was never uh, settled. And I'll come and talk about uh, that on a third point. And that third point sends me back to the scholarship that exists here about Freetown and about Sierra Leone uh, that are written by different sorts of people, both people that are identified as queer and non-queer. It's fascinating. And some of them have been our professors. I mean, Arthur Porter, Kintola Wise, Mark Bailey Five, Francis Wise, Philomena Steady, and one of our colleagues, Joseph Bangua, have all written histories which shows that Freetown is a place of contentious and multiple uh, narratives. I don't have time, and in the q &A, we can go into what those contentious narratives uh, look like and how they shape the kind of vibrant Freetown that we uh, are in. I'm going to end up with a final set of, uh, uh, of remarks. And this is partly because this is where I'm most comfortable to speak from in terms of my experience. As first, uh, a colleague of mine was sort of exchanging this morning. Uh, and I said, look, uh, uh, as somebody who identifies first as Black, African, 
uh, Sierra Leonean, Tritonian, uh, and Ako, what does Freetown mean to me uh, in terms of not only as a professional uh, historian, my experiences and thinking about the world. There are a number of things. And also, uh, politically, uh, I have never eaten my colors uh, here. I am a Pan-Africanist. Uh, I believe that my experience uh, predisposes me to be a Pan-Africanist, somebody who considers themselves first and foremost, not only uh, citizen of all of those identities that uh, I have said, but that being uh, a Black person from Africa positions you uh, to be in the world in a certain place. Um, so then let me introduce uh, another friend and uh, colleague, Professor Nimata Blyden, who is a professor of history and international affairs at the George Washington University in Washington, DC. She holds a BA in history and international relations from Mount Holyoke College and an MPhil and PhD from Yale University. Dr. Blyden specializes in African and African diaspora history. Uh, she is the author of many books, most uh, recent um, of which she co-authored Between Africa and America, Recalibrating Black Americans' Relationship to the Diaspora with Dr. Jeanette Eileen Jones. And her most recent book published in 2019, African Americans and Africa a New History, published by Yale University Press, provides an introduction to the relationship between African Americans and the African continent from the era of slavery to the present, examining the diversity of African American identities through relationships with region, ethnicity, immigration, and slavery to investigate a fundamental area of African-American studies. And so without further ado, I introduce to you my friend and colleague, Dr. Nimata Blyton. Thank you, Dr. McCauley. Um, and thank you to the mayor and the committee for having me. Uh, like Dr. Rashid, um, I was uh, stumped by the request to talk about such a broad topic. And uh, so I, I obviously I'm not going to, uh, but you know, I, I thought I would just sort of do a sort of a general and then perhaps support some of what Dr. Rashid was saying. When we teach our students about West Africa before the slave trade, a daunting task, we talk uh, first and foremost about the diversity of African communities before the period of the slave trade. Um, as we try to get our students to understand this history, right? There's so many things that uh, we can focus on. The kingdoms, right? That, that Dr. Rashid uh, um, referred to ancient Ghana, ancient Mali, you know, Kanembonu, the kingdom of Congo, all these many polities, the stateless societies, right? That existed um, in West African communities, commu communities that, that govern themselves in, in different ways. I'm currently teaching a class on women in African history, we can talk about uh, the experiences and the lives of African women uh, before the slave trade, what their lives uh, were like. Oh, I should be looking at my time. What their lives were before uh, the slave trade took so, so many millions of them away. What were their cultural practices? Their religions, right? Their food traditions, or we can talk about it specific to Sierra Leone. 
uh, um, the communities that were in Sierra Leone, or we could talk about it in general. What were those traditions, those cultural practices that uh, existed uh, in African societies before the slave trade? On the American side, and you heard that I'm a scholar of the diaspora, on the American side, and you'll hear this later as we examine uh, uh, um, those connections, right? We look at what the cultural retentions and the legacies of Africans who were brought to the Americas were, right? What did Africans bring with them? So understanding these societies before the slave trade uh, uh, um, can tell us something about what Africans brought to the Americas for so many uh, for so many years, scholars studying African American history, scholars studying the history of Africans in the diaspora, talked of them as people who came as blank slates, as people who came with no history, as people who came with no culture. But as one historian has said, Dr. Michael Gomez, uh, Africans who were brought to America to the Americas had lived, he says, as members of specific societies in Africa, so that although their lives were altered by enslavement, they continue to be informed by both the African antecedent and by the unique combinations of their distinctive backgrounds in the various locales of the Americas. Their cultural and social provenance, he says, became critical to grasping the totality of their sojourn and its relation to corresponding experiences elsewhere. That is, the Africans who ended up in the Americas didn't leave their homelands behind in their memories. They may have been physically wrenched from Sierra Leone, uh, Ghana, what is today Ghana, what is Nigeria, what is today Angola. They may have been physically wrenched from those places, but their memories uh, of those places remained their cultural practice, in their cultural practices, in the way they raised their children, in their naming practices, uh, right? Scholars in the Americas uh, today studying African cultural retentions talk about the ways in which uh, um, Africans under slavery in the diaspora uh, uh, managed to to, to though given names by their captors, given names by uh, by those who enslaved them, managed to hold on to their to their names, managed to hold on uh, um, to elements of those practices and pass those names down um, to their children, pass those traditions, those cultural practices down uh, um, to their children, and this is why. Today, we can talk about the Nova Scotians. And, and again, I want to so, sort of reinforce what Dr. Rashid said about the label of Nova Scotians. I mean, it's sort of an easy way to talk about this group of people, but important to remember that these were uh, enslaved Africans from the United States, largely uh, um, these people who I'm talking about, who came with, the, with elements of Africa with them, that they took to Nova Scotia and then took back to Sierra Leone. And so we can talk about them today. These were men and women who had fought uh, to return, right? Uh, um, perhaps they didn't hope to return to Sierra Leone. Perhaps they hoped to return to the very spaces from which they had been taken. Remember that some of these men and women may have been born, may have been Af African born, right? Been born in Yoruba land, been born in, in, in somewhere else on the, in, in, on the west coast of Africa, or west central coast of Africa. So these were people who had a desire to go home, right? But they ended up in Sierra Leone and that became their home, right? And so we celebrate them today. Now moving um, into the realities of um, communities during the 
enslavement eras in, um, in the Americas and the community that best and has an end-to-end -end story to tell uh, um, to tell us to tell us that experience are uh, the Gullah Geechee folks of so South Carolina um, in what's known as the low country. We have um, the best moderator for this session, um, Amadou Masale. He has walked those grounds and um, associated with the Sierra Union and he's made a lot of connections in that area. Thank you, Adrian, and everyone else. Good morning. Um, I must say thank you to all the efforts that have been put into bringing this event uh, or the week-long activities that have, have led up to these, this event. And uh, hopefully we'll get to learn some more today. I particularly want to talk about a specific relationship where we have found some of the deepest connections between Africans and African-Americans. I'm not saying there are not other stories, but, but this one um, has the, the best examples you can find in terms of how Africans connect to uh, African-Americans uh, in some of these stories that you will hear about today. But from Sierra Leone and other parts of West Africa, Africans were taken to the colonies, South Carolina first, and then Georgia later. After that, some of these guys ran away from slavery into the Florida wilderness, fought against the US Army, kept them at bay for seven years. Finally, they agreed to negotiate and they went west into Oklahoma. From Oklahoma, after a few years, some of them went into Nacimiento, Mexico, where a historian has told me that he, he found uh, 10 many words in Mexico. Too many words. And then from Mexico, they ended up in um, Brackettville, Texas. So we have people from one or more of these areas that will tell their stories with regard to what they know about their connections to Africa. Um, first, I want to call on Victoria Smalls. She's the uh, executive director of the Gola Geechee Heritage Cultural Commission, Gola Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor Commission. Victoria Smalls. Welcome. Yes, good morning, everyone, and thank you, Amadou. It's so great to see everyone. I'm glad to see you today. So on behalf of the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor, National Heritage Area in the United States of America, and our 11 federally appointed commissioners, I bring greetings to you from our satellite office in Beaufort, South Carolina. I myself, I'm a proud Gullah Geechee woman from St. Helena Island, South Carolina, and I am a very proud descendant of West Africans brought from 12 to the United States from 12 African countries. Um, Senegal, um, Guinea-Bissau, Mali, Guinea, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Togo, Benin, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Congo, all of that along with European ancestry, makes up who you are looking at today. So I want to share an African proverb that we often share with our Gullah Geechee people here. And it says, however far the stream flows, it never forgets its source. And representing Oklahoma on this call today is Senator Anastasia Pittman, the Black Seminole, and um, 
let's hear our story. Welcome, Senator Pittman. And thank you so much, Amadou, and I apologize that I am uh, with my father, so I'm not on camera, but I just wanted to say what an honor it is to be here uh, to share with all of the professors, the mayor, and all of the people who are still carrying the torch of their history. It is such an honor. I am a former state senator, Anastasia Pittman, from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I am the executive director of APRI, the Anastasia Pittman Research Institute for Indigenous People of Color. And what we have discovered is um, in the passing of my grandmother, uh, we have learned to do things in her honor. She has such a rich history of her account from the Trail of Tears to from Florida to Oklahoma. Their uh, leader in uh, Florida was a gentleman named Abraham. And Abraham was a multilingual person, a leader from uh, Florida who um, we talked about the treaty that was signed. I heard you guys mention some things but we had a, a treaty that was signed. We had several treaties with the Seminoles and a treaty that was signed in 1823 from the Florida tribe of Indians. We understood that some of the population, uh, that's where they make their first mention of African Seminoles in the population of Florida. And so there's a historical proof of the Estelusti settlement of Florida, uh, well over a hundred years prior to 1823. The initiatives that happened over this 230th year celebration um, um, a very interesting one. There's a very interesting connection, and I think it's a very powerful one that's been made. And and I think it's you all will you all appreciate hearing from um, the collective Canadian efforts um, in this session. We will start with Dr. Afa Cooper, um, who will set the stage. Carol Millet's team and others would follow uh, along with um, productions from the Black History Societies. Thank you, Adrian, for all your efforts. Um, and for the invitation, I want to uh, say a big, a big greetings to the, the mayor, Her Excellency Yvonne Akisoyer. Thanks to you and your office for this wonderful invitation to participate in Freetown 230. I also want to send greetings or bring greetings to all, to all my colleagues, to all my friends, um, and to all my uh, family members. On this, on this call. My name is uh, Dr. Afua Cooper. I'm a historian of the African diaspora and of Black Canadian history. I teach at Dalhousie University, which is no in Nova Scotia, Halifax, uh, Canada. Um, I am also currently the principal investigator for a new project called A Black People's History of Canada. 
Um, uh, so let me situate myself a bit. Originally, I'm Jamaican. I was born and raised in Jamaica. Um, there, I do have some links to Sierra Leone. On my mother's side, we are descended from Trelawney Maroons. Um, and, you know, so there's a connection with Nova Scotia, Sierra Leone, and, and Trelawney, um, the Trelawney Maroons of Jamaica. I was actually born in Westmoreland, which is not Trelawney. Westmoreland is another parish. But some of the Trelawney Maroons during that conflict with the British had escaped to other parishes or fled to other parishes. And so my maternal ancestors had fled to, um, to Westmoreland. The family continued. I, the Black Loyalist story has been near and dear to my heart for many years. And as part of my scholarship, as part of my work, I, uh, today I'm going to speak on Thomas Peters will contextualize his story, his history in the wider Black Loyalist story. In 2014, I did a residency at the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic. I am also a poet and the museum had this artistic residency and I did a week there. The museum is in Halifax. And um, one of the things that you had to do, well, it was really neat, was that you, you had to select an object or an artifact that the museum had in its collection and, and write something about it. Either you write a play or you, you, you choreograph a dance or a poem. So I wrote a poem and the object that I used was that painting of the 15 ships that the um, Black Loyalists, the almost 1,200 people that on which they traveled to Freetown in Sierra Leone and they left Halifax Harbor on January 15, 1792. So that painting was my inspiration. I mulled over it for the first two days, taking notes, um, just diving and delving into that history and then after, you know, by the fourth day, you had to have something done. So the poem was written and it was performed. Uh, and I traveled to different schools, high schools, primary schools, performing the poem, telling the story of the, the, the 15 ships and the immigrants who were on the ships. So that was in 2014. Um, and subsequently we did a website called Black Halifax on which the, the that video poem is is located and also um, 12 other stories about black experiences in Halifax including a poem done by Valerie Mason John on specifically on Thomas Peters where she channeled Thomas Peters. All right so good afternoon and um, thank you and I also wanted to say congratulations on the 230th anniversary of um, the exodus of the Black Loyalists and the anniversary in terms of going to Freetown, Sierra Leone. And we're very privileged uh, to be part of this celebration. And like you said, um, it's a part of um, connecting, connecting uh, to our history, to our rich history. And this shows the strength that we have across the diaspora as well as um, within Africa. And so today, I have some young students here that what we want to do is talk about the hashtag 1792 project. And um, it began with a, a message in the bottle in September. And what we were, what we were aiming to do is to make sure 
it's just the beginning. So it was the beginning of how we could uh, tell a story that has not been told. And how could we um, make sure that others knew about this deep history that has been left out of our curriculum, that hasn't been written in. And so we wanted to make sure that we could engage not just ourselves, but also young students within the educations of Nova Scotia, across the province, so that they could take part and learn more about uh, the Black Loyalists of 1,196 uh, individuals who left on 15 ships. And some of the students have never heard about this. Uh, they heard about the migration, uh, but they haven't heard about uh, individuals getting on, Black Loyalists getting on and leaving, leaving this province of Nova Scotia because of uh, contracts that were broken, promises that weren't kept, unemployment, racism that what Dr. Fuis spoke about earlier. So what we did is that our, we made a presentation to the Executive Council in December, sorry, December, and um, we came on board. They actually did some proclamation where Carol will speak a, a little bit about that, but um, through Captain Winkler, uh, introduced us to this project in terms of 1792. We decided to call ourselves that so that we would never forget the, the year, this important year of when the Black lawyers left to go to Sierra Leone. And then we want to tell why they left and the conditions that they in, endure here in Nova Scotia. And so we began on this journey, this educational journey to fulfill our mind, and to make sure that we uh, gain knowledge and that we share this knowledge and this story, this rich story across the province. Um, because I, I've come on to this meeting a little bit later, but I've heard you speak about the genealogical records and the connection between uh, some of the Creole community and um, other regions within Sierra Leone. But I just wanted you to touch on that again. Because I know like there's that North Carolina connection through the Gullah Geechee community, but was there also the connection within the liberated African community? That was a large amount of them from different parts of Sierra Leone? Because I'd always assumed that they were mainly Yoruba. Yeah, so that was my general question. Let's see if there's a historian who can double in that. Um, any of the historians want to? If not, we will... Well I could say um, um, that the, you know, the, the Yoruba in the liberated African community formed, uh, you know, a huge, a, a huge majority, but they were not the only one. There were Igbos, you had people coming as far south um, as Congo, up to, up to Sierra Leone. Um, you know, the, the ships were captured by the British Navy and they were taken. Up, up to Freetown, there were but there were numerous, numerous other liberated African ethnic groups um, from from Benin area. Benin meaning the Republic of Benin. So no, the, the Yoruba, you know, being I always say being Yoruba, kind of have this big presence. But there were many, many other groups from different places in. Uh, wool of people from Senegal, for example, from other places in West Africa and West Central Africa. Yeah, yeah. if I may buttress that point, well, I mean, we, we have Angola town, for example, in Sierra Leone, we have Congo town. So these are people other, you know, from different countries other than Nigeria, even though Nigeria was the largest group. 
Sierra Leone was a, and still is a, a melting pot. Yeah, this is a candidate. Um, I mean, I do want to add that essentially, I think it was about 1840s or so, there was a German linguist um, in Freetown at the time who recorded, I think, about 100 languages, different African languages um, in Freetown alone. Um, so, and I also believe that between 1807 um, and I think the 1820s, there was a large, a large um, influx of um, recaptured slaves from within the Syrian interior. So it's it's you know it's a quite broad group um, that make up those those liberated Africans. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to add, uh, ask Adrian and some of the the organizers about um, the 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 Muslim or the Islamic component to to this celebration and also to the Creole heritage, because we know, um, well, within Sierra Leone itself and the present day Republic of Guinea, there is that huge connection, right? It's, it used to be like one country back in the day. And, um, and so the Islamization of Sierra Leone sort of happened coming, coming from Guinea. But there were a lot of Muslims, especially from Nigeria and Senegal, who came into Sierra Freetown area, the peninsula, as part of the whole liberated African movement. So I want to know if that component is going to be, um, is part of the, the celebration or part of the commemoration. Yes, I'll, I will answer that. The mayor, Midge, you could, I guess you guys could hear the bells ringing at six o'clock. Yeah. Good. Um, the mayor of Freetown made sure this process was very inclusive and if you'd like to appreciate it, you could look at the, um, the parades and even the um, programs. Every, every group uh, that's, uh, that's part and parcel of um, Freetown um, was included in this celebration. And I think that creates the jump off point for a lot of interconnection activities. Uh, so yes, that was not missed. So folks, the bell rang at six o'clock, the vigil to that um, for the um, for the 230th celebration um, effectively has started. I would love to keep you all here, but I believe that's, a, that's another activity you'd like to see. And so if you go on to the um, the, the Freetown City Council site, or you go through the social media link that has been sent out, you will find um, um, connections to any of the streaming um, um, services that has been provided. Um, it will be on Freetown, historicfreetown.com as soon as um, that link is also um, made available. No, people Thank do not you. want to go, so I will give you all a view of Freetown um, as it is. And um, <laughs> wow, very nice. Mm -hmm. We were just there in January. <laughs> I miss the early on, I miss it. I miss it. Wow, well, folks, the bell has rang. Very nice. Very nice. I could leave this on uh, for those who just want to stay on and chat, but I've got to go join 
the activities um, and prepare for that session. Again, okay. I'm going to just leave it on. And so uh, um, it's, uh, you can enjoy the moment and say, and, yeah. and have a few last words. But I, I will step away. Thank you all for being part of this um, session. Thank you for everybody that um, took time to contribute, took time to give information, took time um, to, to, to prepare. And for the hosts from the Carolinas, to um, Freetown, from Nova Scotia, to the Caribbean, from California to Maryland. Yeah. Thank you very much for um, giving of your time. And look, for, look forward to seeing you all at the next um, symposium on this one journey to this, to this great location that has so much um, history written in all its different um, uh, um, infrastructure and buildings. Just the, the, the lay of the land, uh, what may look like chaotic to some people, it's a lot of stories that are on those phases of the, build, of these, of the buildings and the communities um, around this um, coast. Thank you again. Thank you, everybody. God bless. God bless. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was wonderful. It's God bless. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much.